This is exactly right. That's Georgia Hardstar. That's Karen Kilgariff. And that's Mimi. And Mimi's on my lap because she started she, screaming right when we started recording. Mimi has something to say this week, and I think we should just hear her out right, for let's, once. Let's see if I can get her to talk. Mimi. 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 Tusha. Oh. oh. Yeah. There she, there she is. <laughs> that cat loud Mimi. with it she says Mimi you're the greatest fuck puppies that's what she's <laughs> saying oh I gotta send you the video of the puppy just go trying to play with Mimi it's so cute <gasps> and did she eviscerate him emotionally uh, completely I bet emotionally and a good old wallop on the nose oh I know Aww. I know uh well, how's it going Good, good. Um, you got a good librarian, like sexy librarian look going today. Thank you. I'm trying to seduce you. <laughs> um, I might as well say <laughs> I didn't take a shower and I pulled my hair back in a tight bun. That's so what gets me. That's you know. I know. I mean business. You know that you. that's my type. Un- I know that's your favorite. Unwashed <laughs> and unabashed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Karen's guarantee to you. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. I think it was one of those days. Uh, Just you one know of what those it is? days. I, I keep cleaning out. I keep piece by piece cleaning out my garage, which How I'm very. Ba- you've been doing this for a while. So your garage must be. I basically took all the boxes that were moved from my other house. Uh-huh. Like, I think we were. I, I want to say we were on the road, but that can't be no, true. I think but, we were. So. My house was boxed up and moved to the new house. Uh-huh. And so and Stephen's like, yes, I can I can confirm that happened to you. So, yes, that's what happened. And so basically my entire garage was just filled entirely filled with boxes. Yeah. So and I was fine with that, even though I was like, this is very symbolic. <laughs> Don't just have a bunch of boxes of your old life downstairs yeah. that you're just letting sit there. Yeah. And also I um, let that s- them sit there for like over nine months. So yeah. I was like, you clearly don't need anything that's down there. Throw it all away. Yeah. Throw it all. But I did know there was a couple things that it, I had to go through the boxes because there would be a couple things where I'd like, oh, thank God I didn't throw this away. Totally. One of which was my clotter ring, which was a f- in my family. All the girls got it's the it's the Irish friendship ring where it's the two hands oh, holding yeah. the heart. I didn't know that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah it's called the clotter ring. And all the girls in my family got them when they turned 16. And that we were doing it in the 80s before it got really trendy, whatever. Um <laughs> But uh, mine, <laughs> I liked it first. Mine, um, I had lost it and found it a couple times. It broke. Mm-hmm. There's like a whole drama behind it. And I'd finally found it again. So um, that was one of the, I had to find that before I threw boxes away just entirely. Are you and I just throw boxes away? I mean, I wanted to because yeah. I was just like, it doesn't, if I haven't missed it, then how important could it be Marie Kondo style? I wanted that to be like that. Panic attack, but I am a hoarder. so. That's why. I mean, but don't you think we all are in that way where you think I was sending you pictures of like, I literally have folders from when I was a camp counselor. 
Like I remember I sent you that thing where it said, look and listen on it. And I was like, look at this. Like there, I have stuff like that where it's like, sure, it means a lot to me, but it isn't make or break. It isn't isn't crucial. Maybe it's just clothes to me because the amount of clothes I have and the difficulty I have giving them away is so... And it's also, I'm sure, because as a kid, I only got hand-me-downs and now I'm like, and I'm going to collect all the clothes. (laughs) Fuck you. You know? Yes. So it's like, and I... Yeah, I have a thing about clothes. Well, and I think sometimes I would... There's some shirts I remember having and I would kill to have more them now. Them. I actually more I them. found my Pat Benatar concert shirt that <gasps> I w- we used to wear in the like late 90s. Yeah. It was just in one of those boxes where I was like collector's I, item. I, th- I thought you were gone. You know what Vince got me? You tell Vince you want something and he'll just casually go to his phone and you're like I know you're getting it for me. So he got me the, So he's a dreamboat. I know. He got me the um, get, acts of service and gifts are his love language. Um he got me the Jane's Addiction t-shirt I wore on my first day of high school with like my oh. ripped shorts and my ripped fishnets and dog collar because yeah. I thought I was cool and I ditched the first day of high school to smoke because <laughs> I was because <laughs> I needed a cigarette I was fiending you know yeah so he got me the the ritual de la habitual Jane's Addiction shirt and it's nice soaked yeah is that the one where it's kind of like a guy hanging up it almost looks like crucifixion no it's a it's a lady a very like beautiful but like um flower in her hair lady yeah it's okay yeah exactly i never i didn't necessarily i mean i loved the hits Mm -hmm. i will say that but jane's addiction was always the guys that i had a crush on like jane's addiction like there was like Uh, yeah yeah skater boys that had gothy skater posters up yeah yeah i just they were so creepy to me and i knew that what their song ted just admit it was about ted bundy so i was like you know, in the 90s as a 14 year old, it was very sexy and stuff. And now, of course, we're yeah. like, ew, fuck that shit. Well, but that's how it was back yeah, then. It really was. That was kind of the like, if you wanted to be dangerous and you hang and out roll. in graveyards and take edgy photos in graveyards and pretend all- you like John Wayne Gacy's art. Yeah. It's garbage. <laughs> it's simply garbage. And now that we know everybody else was painting it for him. I, that's one of my oh, favorite really? reveals, right. modern reveals. It's like the other prisoners were painting it and Johnny Depp's paying $70,000 for it. So hilarious. Oh, wait, before we go any further. Yeah. Have you heard and did you learn that the Dilatov Paz, the Dilatov yes. Paz mystery has been solved? Yeah, allegedly solved. Most, okay. most likely solved. Definitely solved, probably. Yeah. I didn't read the, the article. I was just, no matter what you said, I was going to devil's advocate the other direction. But like, <laughs> it's not, it's not true. And I just did it. For you, <laughs> oh, no. but did you read the thing? Is it? It's an avalanche, right? Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, the guy who basically solved it was showed that an avalanche was possible because there were all these things of like, well, everything was still standing, so it was like kind of a mini avalanche in a way, or some light avalanche. I don't know. And like the hill, a low. It was a short avalanche, right? Short. That's right. the word, which <laughs> doesn't make any fucking sense to me. But, I made it up. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think that. <laughs> is that what they called it? It was a like nice something short like a small, short avalanche. Seriously. Shallow? Shallow. Something. <laughs> One of these words. Um, yeah. And then they all, you know, escaped, crawled away and, and died from various, you know, mostly um, hypothermia. It's just so sad. And it was like kind of obvious and still so tragic. And like, 
such a crazy mystery for so long and that's it but does that explain is the um the parts where weren't there tongues missing and things like that and was that because they were just left to the left to nature yeah yeah Yeah. definitely i mean it's kind of obvious and i think when when i covered it i think that's the conclusion we came to um but it was you know it was a cool mystery to unravel so i think that's just what happened but i think it's a pretty basic straightforward i still think anything's possible but at at the same time aliens you know i just want to say they're out there i don't know if you watch ancient aliens but my mom does and she i i sure do insists as ancient alien (laughs) theorists suggest it's a lot of people have pointed this out to us which i kind of knew anyway because it's incredibly racist and um ridiculous where they're basically showing ancient cultures and going there's no way they could have done this or it's like why yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense because they people have been doing that kind of stuff for a hell of a long time, right. have you? And then you just point over to Stonehenge. Did you ever see? Yeah, Stonehenge. Have, it's have super old. And then did you see the one the thing about like um you know uh, what's it called island with the big stone Easter Island Easter Island and they showed these just people today moving these in huge blocks and how they would have done it with just rope and that's it. Yeah, you know, and manpower and it's like it's not that hard. We don't actually need aliens, and at the same time. We're probably aliens to begin with. So, yes, yes, aliens did it. But listen, nothing is real. It's all fucking fake. Here's what I like about the Easter Island story is that one of the theories, because I've seen the the rope thing. And there's another one, which is that they cut down all the trees on the island and they made (sighs) almost like a roller system. So they they could get them down to the coastline or or down to where they were. And basically the king or, you know, whoever was in charge. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't know. King might not be the right term, but whoever it was that was like, it's my it's my decision. Yeah. They kept demanding more and more of these statues and they cut down every tree practically on the island so that they could have them and then basically made it so that the life was like uninhabitable. They didn't have good nature stuff going on on the island. They did it to themselves. And this is why we need to have, and we did, join the Geneva Convention. Is that it? This is why the Lorax is one of the more important books that Dr. Seuss ever wrote. <laughs> they you know Lorax right themselves. <laughs> I'm reading the, the Tao of Pooh, of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be epic. Oh, I, can I do a um, corrections corner? Sure. I just, not corrections. You mean about about the conversation we just had? Absolutely. The correction <laughs> Please is do. edit all of that out. Um, okay. So it's not a correction, more of like a um, clarification that I, when I talked last week about emotional support dogs, I kind of overlapped it with service dogs, which okay. I want to be clear that service dogs are trained to perform functions for an an owner that has that needs the help and emotional support animals are just a you know companion of the owner and they're not allowed on flights anymore oh really yeah or like they can't come on for free or whatever like that you know it has to it's not allowed but um on instagram um riley scott 413 made it clear saying great news emotional support dogs are allowed inside cracker barrel (laughs) (laughs) and then said when i was a waitress there we had a guy who would put his dog in a chair across from him and order him chicken and dumplings (gasps) oh i know 
Who's the emor- who's emotional support dogging who in that scenario? The chicken and dumplings. <laughs> I doing think. it for everybody. <laughs> so that would be yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah, that's a that's actually a very good uh, dis- that's discernment yes. is important because service dogs are just like heroes. I will help you with your epilepsy. Yes. I will know when a seizure is coming on. I can guide you across the street totally. if you're visually impaired, whatever. I can bring you a beer when you can't get up to open the fridge because of your arthritis or whatever. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. so that's yeah, I've a- seen that one. I've seen that video. Oh, God. The, how The dog that go get, goes and gets the beer out Epic. of the refrigerator. Epic. Here's a great story from the New York Post that the Brooklyn DA, Eric Gonzalez, dismisses 262, and I'm quoting, prostitution-related warrants. Uh, stemming from prostitution charges, which his office no longer prosecutes. And I'm quoting from New York Post. Obviously, we say sex workers. Um, And they stretch back to 2012. However, Gonzalez says that there are 850 additional warrants that were issued between the 1970s and 2011 arising from prostitution charges, which will be vacated in the near future. Isn't that amazing? And they're saying that the Brooklyn DA does not pursue cases against people arrested for sex work, but instead refers them to services um, and they need to be offered assistance, not criminally prosecuted. And the state legislature uh, is moving to expunge all 25,000 plus prostitution related convictions in Brooklyn that date back to 1975, saying like, we want to make sure that instead of criminal to pe- criminal penalties and jails, we're providing health care, mental health care services to get them um, into uh, give them better options. And also, you know, for health care and yes. we and generations of young people's lives are being destroyed when we could be helping them. Said, yes. said Senator that's and that's from Senator Liz Kruger, who's working on, on introducing the new legislation. Incredible. That amazing. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's New York State. That's Brooke. That's the Brooklyn District Attorney Eric Gonzalez. Nice. So that's in Brooklyn, which is amazing, epic, and historic, and a step in the right motherfucking direction. Yeah, let's let's do that all over the goddamn country. Yeah, for real. Imagine services. Let's get back to some services for human beings. Yeah, I mean, even if it's like you you want to stay working in sex work, which is totally acceptable, at least have some you know means of help or you know and they say of course that a lot of sex workers who experience abuse won't report it because they know they're going to get prosecuted which is such a huge uh, issue good news all around a wonderful feel-good story right a feel-good story from the new york post hey who knew hey (laughs) anything's possible one of my favorite late night scrolls they just have some really wacky articles it's always fun I finished Bridgerton, thanks to you. What'd you think? Did you... I hate watched it for a couple seasons. I texted Episodes? You, huh? Episodes? Episodes. That's right. Um, time, <laughs> Wait, you again. have secret seasons? Oh, yeah. Didn't I tell you? Time isn't linear. So I hopped forward to season eight. Wow. Um, Unbelievable. This is an ancient alien situation. Yeah. I watched it because you said that there was going to be some hot, raunchy Victorian sex. So I stuck with it and you weren't wrong. And then I found myself enjoying it. So I kept watching it. And then I gasped out loud at the very ending and text you all excited about it. So I definitely recommend it. It's like a good, fun distraction watch. Right. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. But it's not a family watch. Absolutely not. Do not. No children, no parents in the room with you. No, absolutely not. There is a plot line in this show Uh that is, to me, Uh an old prude from the 80s. Shocking that it's the plot line. Oh, see, I <laughs> I must not be a prude. So Did you, you have to, that's a spoiler alert. So you have to leave that out. I yeah, think. yeah. I, d- t- please yeah. take that out. Okay. Yeah, like the whole thing, but but in like a Jane Austen setting totally. is. I was I kept going. It's got to be me. I'm I'm I think I'm hearing this wrong. Literally looked it up on my phone because I was like, this can't actually be the plot. Okay. But people who read the book already knew, and that was in the book, because the book is like a modern, you know, retelling of one of those kind of stories. I thought it was like, I just thought it was some old, that Shonda Rhimes was just bringing back some old story I'd never heard before. No, Shonda Rhimes is bringing Grey's Anatomy love into the fucking past, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and our, our lovely Claire from Dairy Girls. Oh, she kills it. Just so happy to see her. Anytime. A delight, truly. Nicola Colin? Col- Nicola. Col- Nicola. Nicola Coughlin. Nicola Coughlin. Yeah, she's great. All right. So I, I yeah, I recommend that if you need an escape. It was helpful in my um sanity in keeping it recently. If you need if you need a private escape, I have one. I have a recommendation that came. I made a, a I wrote a tweet the other night and in the tweet jokingly referenced the Witcher. Or Witcher might just be plain Witcher, Mm -hmm. but that's the Henry Cavill series that's kind of like, I don't know, spooky, D&D, whatever, fantasy almost. But I watched it and do enjoy it. But my friend Alex Reed, um, who's my old friend from stand-up comedy in San Francisco, but he's also a very accomplished uh, TV writer himself. And he wrote, if you like Witcher, you will love Britannia. And so I, uh, and I believe it's on Netflix and, um, I started watching it and it is so good. It's basically Britannica, Britannia, Britannia, (laughs) Britannica. Um, it's it's Britannica. It's about, it's just a a shot of a bunch of encyclopedias. It's very soothing. Um, no Britannia. It's about the Romans invading Britannia. Mm hmm. And the Celts and the Druids live there and the Druids are this fascinating clan of people that used to live in England, in the English territories, Mm. whatever they were called. And they were kind of like witchy, but it's real. But they were like, they used to, they were said to have had telekinesis. They Mm. did magic. They, um, a lot of their magic was based in oak trees. It's this whole, I started reading about them because I was so fascinated because it's actually real, but basically the Romans came in and got rid of them all. And so they were kind of like, you know, the magic people. It's a really good series. Does it have like Lord of the Ring vibes? That's what I'm getting. It's like Lord of the Ring for real, though, because it's it's historically based. All right. Perhaps not exactly accurate, but based. Some liberties are taken. It's good. All right. So what's that called? Britannia. Britannia on Netflix. I have something to tell you that I've been really excited to tell you about. You know how I told you about. um, Oh, shit. What Stephen? What was the Instagram and uh, Cottagecore? Cottagecore. So remember, how I told you about Cottagecore, all the like darling twee stuff and beekeeping that I was super into. Well, sure. now I found out recently that you know 
there's cleaning that it was a scam no it's not it was a, it's real. It was a pyramid scheme it's real and i love it and i put ten thousand dollars into it and i feel like i'm gonna get my return i, I just bought all these bees it. i bought docks and cottage core and miniature and doll houses and i'm really feeling good about it all right great and if you want to join i you can be in my pyramid anyway okay there are cleaning influencers like in, I found out that there are people who like have our specialty cleaners of like house cleaning. And there, there's this one called it's A-M-A-R-O-S cleaning, Amaros cleaning. And she's like an influencer has like thousands and thousands of followers and like shows you her favorite like scrub daddy. And ha- here's how to clean this. And here's the best way to vacuum this. And this is my favorite this. And this is my favorite cleaning thing of that. And it, yeah. I'm obsessed and it's addictive. Well, you know, it's funny that it's funny you mentioned that because when I at Christmas time, when I went to make a bake a turkey breast for the first time, mm-hmm. I went and looked at my oven and it wasn't very clean. And I was like, I should clean this, but I don't know how, you know, how a yeah. lot of times you can switch it on your your oven is like self-cleaning. Yeah. Or I'm like, I don't trust that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it takes like a full day or whatever. Oh, and so I looked up, I basically looked up my kind of oven and how to clean it yes. like quickly and easily. And there was a woman who was just like, it's, you need, you know, baking soda, white vinegar, vinegar. This yeah. and this. Yep. And she and it really worked. It was like it took me 20 minutes. Well, there are people like, you know, there's like um, there's like uh, workout influencers. What's it called? When you were, you know, and now. Yeah. And there's cleaning influencers. <laughs> I love it. Have you cleaned anything? Have you been influenced in any way by them? I have. I bought all the products she told me to get. And I've been binging power washing videos, too. So that's like that is one of my favorite things. Have you ever seen the ones in the buildings in New York City when they're doing it in Manhattan? And it's just guys up on like what look like a window washing. um, Yeah, yeah, yeah thingy but instead they're power washing the front of a building so it's going from dark gray to beautiful like marble white yes the best i watched one of like the tenant had lived in this apartment for 40 years and smoked three packs a day and they went in there with a power washer and the walls were fucking yellow yeah like yellow and they just power washed it and it was like oh even the ceiling was just gross Loved it. So good. And they they cleaned it all up. They fucking power washed. I mean, they're really everybody loves a before and after. But with something like that, where you don't have to actually do the hard work of cleaning. Oh, yeah. But you still get the satisfaction of the of the before and after. Yes. There's nothing better. Nothing. It's so good. Because my, yeah. my hopefully my life will never get to the point where I'll have to have a satisfying power washing situation. So I'll just watch other people's. You don't know, you don't though, know. because indoor smoking is <laughs> it, it can be pretty satisfying. <laughs> can you imagine sitting in a New York apartment? So it's what does it cost? Four grand a yeah. month or some yeah. shit like and so it's tiny. So like it's <laughs> your it's like a smoke box. Yes, I used to do. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine? I did it when I <laughs> when I lived there. Um, 
like, you know, it was early 2010s, right? It was probably 2010 or 2011. I moved there for a job. I knew four people. So on the weekends, I would just pull this stool because it was this tiny kitchen. I would put um, a pot of water on the stove and just keep it at a low boil. So there was just moisture in the air. (laughs) And then I would, and then the, I had the window open and I would wear a total coat because it was like winter time. You had the window cracked probably like that's enough. Window cracked. And then I would just smoke and blow it out the window and keep it so that like if any smoke went in the air the moisture would just That's bring it back smart. down so it wouldn't like get anything dirty i've never heard of that yeah you and then what? i just fuck it i just trolled facebook i couldn't get off facebook what did you i was just um Par- my uh self-rolled oh, that's right yeah you know what you are you are what? a fucking cigarette uh influencer <laughs> you're giving us tips and tricks you're rolling your own and you're going to show us how and all the tools you love to use or just like if you can't roll them yourself here's what you do and like here's the filter i like to use sometimes <laughs> no filter this is, no filter and then no like, filter. you got to crack your window this much otherwise it doesn't so yeah you're a cigarette influencer and then a true cigarette influencer, because then you can take a picture. You can find a picture of my old teeth. And I had to get them professionally replaced with fake teeth For because a lot my of teeth money. became so yellow because smoking is disgusting yeah. and terrible for yeah. you and you shouldn't do it. That's right. But man, it can be satisfying <sighs> when you're all alone in the world in New York City. Oh, a contemplative cigarette of like, this is what I'm doing tonight. Fuck you. <laughs> and that's actually, I've told the story a thousand times, but that's when I got into podcasts. That's right. Because I would listen to Dave Anthony and Greg Barrett's podcast, Walking the Room. Yeah. And it was like getting to hang out with my friends and not getting to talk. And I loved it. <laughs> it was the best. I love it. Oh, I have one more um, correction. Uh, Cole, oh, okay. Cole Escola from um, Search Party, who I mentioned last week and adoring them. Uh, but I called them he and and his pronouns are they them. So I just want okay. to make sure I got that clear. Update. update. Pronouns update, everybody. Yeah. And I want to make sure I respect that and clear it up. Hey, if you don't know, it's not about respect because you just right. didn't know. Right. So but clearing it's just it an up, update. I think, is an important sign of respect. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Good. And a good thing just I it's it's a I'm working on the habit of just trying to um, default to they. Yes. Yes. But it's again, I'm from the 80s. So it's a, it is a <laughs> slight adjustment. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's usually the just your best bet. Totally. Totally. I was going to tell you about. Oh, well, a couple. But. If we're still doing TV shows, I just stumbled on. Remember when I told you about um, there was a British show called Not Safe for Work that I loved? Yeah. Um, and I think I made you watch at least one episode. I'm not sure. It's really good if you haven't seen it. Not Safe for Work is great. But then I also but I found this. This is basically like a deep cut because it's from I think it started in 2011. Oh, wow. And um, it's called Fresh Meat. And it's these young and it's. um. It's, it's called an Fresh old show Me- where all these people are young. It's an old show with young people. <laughs> My two favorite things. And it's called Fresh Meat and they are all at uni and oh, it's British, of course. University. Oh. Yep. And they're all just roommates, you know, um, a ragtag group of roommates. And I was binging it yesterday. Okay. It's, just, it's good stuff if anyone's looking for it. I'm doing those deep cut, the British show deep cuts. Did you? I hate to ask this because I feel like I've been, it's one of those things where like your friend rec- recommends something and you're like, can you leave me alone about it? But did you watch <laughs> the British Shameless? 
the original Shameless. Oh, yes. Remember, we were talking about yeah. it. You remember you asked me who, what neighbor I would or what person I would be. Yeah. And I was the neighbor. Yes. Um, the British Shameless is amazing. We're, I mean, we're still obsessed with it. It's like it's it's the fucking best show I've ever seen. It's like one of my favorites. Ever. Now, did we discuss? I, I want to know if that dad character is dyeing his hair. <laughs> Definitely. Or if he just. You think so? In the beginning, he looks like he has a wig, you were saying. Right. Which I well, agree. I mean, I, but it doesn't later. He must have been like, had a role, had a different role for something else and had to wear a wig. Oh, I do think he yeah. dyes it. But maybe like that's part of his character because his character is just a complete fuck up. Yeah. Who, his, his character, yeah, is like kind of a young guy, but then is living a hard life. So he, it makes sense that he would have like kind of scraggly beard, yeah. scraggly face, and then young guy hair. Yeah. He's trying but to it was, like hip. It's a good show. Yeah, I love it. Um, and the young actor who's so James who's so hot mm-hmm. who James got, McAvoy yes. yes thank you Stephen good job Stephen he pl- he's Stephen yes his place his name is Stephen in it Steve. is it yeah oh. but he you know he ends up he and Fiona the older Sp- spoiler no spoiler no, in oh, real okay. life got married and what? had a kid they fell in no. love on the set of Shameless and got Yay. married and had a kid and are now divorced. That's okay. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> love story. <laughs> uh, wow. Love story. Love, love it. Love, love stories. Um, Loving it. Should we do exactly right news? Well, I have one more recommendation. Oh, please. Sorry. It's just, no, it's oh, just, yeah. um, it's a podcast. I was, I don't know what, what I was doing, but I was just kind of like going randomly through, um, podcasts. And it was like the ones that were related to the ones I'd already listened yeah, to. Yeah, I like that. And I stumbled upon a podcast that's like a, a kind of self helpy. Oh, you sent very, it to me and I listened to it. Yes. Yeah. It's called Unfuck Your Brain, but it's not by the person who authored the book because I thought it would be and it's not. Yeah. And she and it seems like the book came out and this podcast came out the same year. Oof. So it might totally be things a thing that very much does happen in the world, yeah. which is just it's a coincidence. But um, this one is a is a series by or sorry, this is a podcast by um, the host is a woman named Cara Lowenthal. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. And it um, it started as a pod, uh, like an advice podcast for lawyers. What? Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay, she's a lawyer. That's yeah. what she was. But then as it goes, she basically becomes like a life coach. And it's basically just kind of like good advice on a, a yeah. bevy of different things. Um, if you're looking for it's real short, like it's I think each one is like a half an it hour was. or less. Yeah. And it's re- she is such a good like Persist. writer and conceptual. Yes. And it's very like, here is how you sent me the one of how to get confidence. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it 30 minutes. I was so surprised it was like over already. But it was like such great, simple advice on how to like start. It's, yep. uh, you know, it's a long process and it seems daunting and overwhelming to fucking get confidence after a lifetime of not having it. But right. it, she makes it so straightforward and simple and yep. explains your brain to you of why it's not working. Yeah. And it's 
it's great. You're right. You're right. It was great. It's really cool. And I really think it's generous because she is a she is a like life coach, a master life coach. And there's lots of life coaches that have podcasts that are basically giving it away for free as a way to say, and if you want more of this, then you get I'll coach you separately. So it's very cool. If you listen to it, then you have like next options if you have like the money and the totally the inclination. But if not, there's there she has like four years of podcast episodes where you can go through and find your topic. And it's just really I find her very smart and yeah. very so good at giving advice. I was blown away. That's amazing. I love those yeah, kinds yeah. of podcasts. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Thank you. Unfuck your that. brain with Cara Lowenthal. Yes, of course. Cool. Cause I I had a couple of those moments as I was listening where I was just like, oh, I could actually do this. Yeah. That's not it's not conceptual in that way of like you need to tell yourself right. that you're great. Where it's just like, fuck right, it. I would fucking do that. Like it right. that doesn't work. It doesn't on work. Me. Well, the thing about us is that I feel like and people with low self-esteem is like, I don't think I deserve to like myself. And I don't think I deserve confidence from myself or other people and so it's not going to fucking work on me and fuck you for trying like that works yep. for other people and not for me fuck right. you but it's like no no it's just your brain and your wires are kind of crossed and the yep. way you've been trying to get it from outside sources is just it doesn't work for anyone not because you're broken yeah you know and that idea of these are these thoughts that that pass through our head they're just that they're just thoughts and we can't just give our life over to these thoughts ideas feelings that just come through we have to be more in charge and we have to be basically kind of like right there with the thoughts mm-hmm. and then go thank you for the warning mm-hmm. thank you for the worry thank you for the you know stamping your feet we're not going to do that this time and like it's that idea i just you know and i mean like that's also my therapist talking and a lot of other things but but carl lowenthal lowenthal puts it into very simple listenable kind of like break it down things i was just really impressed and it's like it works for anyone it's not you don't have to be special and like Fixed. But we're so special. We're, we're, but however, we're special <laughs> broken. Mean, we're especially broken. We're especially special in our brokenness. <laughs> don't we all love to be especially broken? I, that's the best. That's the best way. Truly, I mean, I don't want to be boring broken. That's like for no. fucking basics. And I'm not. Come I'm on. special. And and I'm no, unfixable. High level. I'm unfixable in my brokenableness. Yeah. You earn that leather jacket. You earn the cigarette when you're <laughs> yeah. 14. These knuckle tattoos, man. <laughs> no, not everyone gets to have these. You have to have a permit when you go to the Georgia's tattoo. knuckles. Say special broken. I don't know how she fits it on. I there. got extra fingers because I'm especially <laughs> broken. Um. Okay. All right. That was a great. Rec- oh, I'm reading the invention of wings by sue monk kid that's k-i-d-d and she also wrote the secret life of bees which was un- unbelievably great mm-hmm. um i highly love re- your bees love i do bees. love bees <laughs> i highly recommend the invention of wings cool yeah so check that out too okay now we do a little exactly right news. There's some we have so many great and wonderful shows. We're just going to highlight a couple That's of them right. for you right now in case you haven't caught up to all your ER programming this week. Yeah. You guys Let's walk you through it. I think we should start with I saw what you did. Let's uh, do it. Which is our rad radical movie review podcast. It's hosted by the two incredible women, Millie and Danielle. Millie is the programmer at the incredible 
Turner Classic Movies, TCM, which is like one of the coolest channels. And whenever Vince is like, well, they have a double feature of this. I'm like, that's Millie. That's Millie. Like she has impeccable freaking taste. And yeah, Danielle knows, knows so much about movies and she's hilarious. And they're great friends. I saw what you did actually as a five star rating on iTunes, which is mm-hmm. if you ask us is impossible but apparently it's not well this is we're talking criterion collection level podcasting yes. over here hey that's what's happening nice time yeah and so they're um doing a black history month special where uh, they're focusing their discussions on black directors actors and other artists in the film industry and examining the obviously year-round importance of celebrating and amplifying black voices in the film community and to kick that off they're discussing two films Ganja and Hess from 1973 and Losing Ground from 1982. So make sure you subscribe and listen to I Saw What You Did and follow them on at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And they'll tell you what movies they're reviewing each week beforehand. So you can watch those movies before or after. You don't even need to fucking watch them, honestly, just to listen yeah, to this podcast. Because you you'll get the discussion. Yeah. Also on Bananas, our weird news podcast, um, Kurt and Scotty are doing... Basically, a live show this weekend. This is very exciting. You can buy tickets for it's uh, February 6th. It's coming. I literally don't know what day it is. I was about to say it's in a couple days and it, it could be the 15th. It could be the second. I have no fucking clue. By the way, before you get fucking angry in their Instagram feed, they're doing a live web show. It's not they're not going to be at fucking tr- the Troubadour guys it's no 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 it's streaming it's um completely it's completely virtual they're gonna wear masks Uh, even though they're gonna be super distanced so um go to www.bananaslive.com and um go watch them do a live show they're both uh seasoned performers it's going to be amazing yeah Love no that. doubt. It's going to be love like, that damn show. So they're doing so good. They are so good. Um, and then yeah. we have a crossover this week of two of our Exactly Right podcasts. So um, Kara Clink from That's Messed Up, our SVU podcast, is on I Said No Gifts, Bridger's podcast. And so you should check both of those out. Yeah, that's going to be a delight. Yeah. Both that's a real nice combination. People. It is. I love those people. I love seeing them at parties, which is obviously we've talked about our main host criteria for exactly right is do we like to hang out with them at parties? <laughs> can How long can you stand with them at a party? Right. If it's over over 10 minutes, they get a show on the <laughs> podcast. And just to just to slide this one in, Tenfold More Wicked is on their second season or on Kate Winkler Dawson's on her second season talking about um, serial killers, Burke and Hare. It's really fascinating. Um, They have been at the top of um, Apple's true crime charts. This second season is going like gangbusters. And my sister told me the other day that my cousin Stevie, who is like my older brother, Mm -hmm. um, got off the phone with her the other day because he loves this podcast so much that he wanted to stop talking to her so he could continue listening to that podcast. How you know. I love and I that. said to my sister, I was like, that's like the opposite of him beating me up every day after school. <laughs> that feels so good. Yeah, we could and have had so something validating. to talk about after school instead of him just beating me up. <laughs> Who knew? But now that we're adults, he can listen to my podcast. I love you, Stevie. And I want to um, I want to reiterate, speaking of her being on the top of the true crime charts, is that please, please, please rate, review and subscribe. I know it's just this thing you hear on every podcast at the end of the episode, but it, it's the way that you get 
uh, on the charts. And it's also the way they get ad sales, which is how these free podcasts that you listen to are able to um, get ads. It's the way they make money. It's important to us, even though it's the biz, baby, be a part of the biz. So if you love a podcast, rate, review and subscribe. Please. And and support. Also, if you love the podcast, My Favorite Murder, the one we're doing right now, (laughs) we've got a piece of merch that has been sold out for so long and it is back. It's the Here's the Thing mug. It says, Here's the Thing. It's teal on the side. And then when you turn it up to sip out of it, it says, Fuck everyone on the bottom. Yeah. So anytime you're in those Zoom meetings and you're just having the worst time ever, you just take a (laughs) sip of your coffee and show them what you really think. It's subtle. And then we also have T-shirts and the koozies are so cute. I love them. And they're all restocked at myfavoritemurder.com in the store. And they're available. Yeah, so go now. get your Here's the Thing merch. Yeah. It is it is back for you. That's right. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, well, I'm going this week. I'm go. telling I'm telling you a story. I'd love to hear a story from you. Can I tell you a story, Karen? Sit back Would and relax. Please? I'd like to hear some tea. Put your hair up. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world for years they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware some of tom colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in maiden whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit 
visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. All right. So this is in the news recently, and I realized I hadn't even considered ever doing it. And I thought maybe now is a good time um, because of that. So this is the murder of Lana Clarkson by Phil Spector. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Right. We've never done this. How have we never done it? Yeah. Prop, okay. Prop, hopefully we've never. Yeah. I mean, I'm so yeah. surprised, like even at an L.A. live show doing it, but it just never crossed my mind. Okay. Uh, my sources are Patrick Prince for Goldmine Mag, CNN Wire, a Dominic Dunn article for Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. um, Stephen A. Diamond article for Psychology Today, Karina Longsworth for LA Weekly, Bill Demain for Mental Floss, Wikipedia, of course, and then other Vanity Fair articles as well. Karina Longworth. That's a you must remember oh, yes. this. Totally. That's oh her. My God. Yeah. That's Karina getting her um, bills paid. Good for her. Well, she also does a podcast. <laughs> Rate, review and subscribe so she can <laughs> get more ads. Oh, please support Karina Longworth. Um, you must remember That's this. That's right. Podcast. All right. So let's um, we're going to delve into Phil Spector and who he was and what his life was like, because it really just paints a picture of what ended up what he ended up doing. Um, so with his hair, <laughs> I mean, I have no explanation. Actually, I do have an explanation for that. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Harvey Philip Spector uh, is born in 1939 to a first generation immigrant Jewish family and they live in the Bronx. The family first arrived from Ukraine in 1913. And it's highly possible that his parents are first cousins because there's lineage lineage found of their grandfathers. They were found to be very similar on their naturalization papers. So Mm. just a Mm. little side note. In 1949, when Phil is just nine years old, his iron worker father, who has just tons of debt, takes his own life by carbon monoxide asphyxiation. Oh, no. At nine years old. I mean, it's tragic. On his tombstone is inscribed, Ben Spector, father, husband, to know him was to love him. Phil's allegedly domineering mother moves the family to from New York to Los Angeles in 1953, where she works as a seamstress. All right. So Phil goes to Fairfax High School um, where he was involved in a Jewish like boys club known as the Lochinvars, which I have known about since I was a kid, because one such member is none other than Marty Hardstark. Marty was a lock and bar. Marty was a lock and bar. I had no idea Phil Spector was too until Phil Spector died last week. And my dad forwarded this like um, chain email from a bunch of like old um, members. My dad called it a gang, but it was just a bunch of Jewish <laughs> boys. It was a club. Um, and they were all kind of talking about their memories of their friends, Phil Spector from high school. Oh. And my dad is still super close with those friends from his time. It's like they were very kind of supported each other. And and partly because they grew up in a time when anti-Semitism was still rampant in L.A. Um, in the 1950s, the uh, Fairfax was known as a, quote, Jewish high school. And in fact, the principal even taught modern Hebrew class. And some parents started taking their kids out of Fairfax because the high Jewish population made them uncomfortable. So L.A., I mean, I've heard stories from my grandparents and parents was very uh, anti-Semitic at the time. I believe that it's just funny or like interesting now to think about that because of the way things are now. Like the idea of people taking their kids out of school because Jewish people went there. Totally. It's just kind of like, wait, what? But that's 
it's that thing of like over the years that kind of racism exposes itself to just be the weirdest, most baseless, stupid Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. But then it's just the more current, like that's, I think I've told you the story of when I got in trouble because I repeated a, a slur right. um, against a Mexican student that I heard on the playground and, and my aunt Jean like slammed on the brakes and was like, what, why would you ever say that? And I was like, oh, I thought that's what somebody else said. I was like in yeah. second grade yeah, yeah. or something like that. And my mother gave me this fucking speech that night that was all about, don't you know that the way, you know, anybody that says that about Mexicans now, that's exactly what people were saying about your grandparents, you know, 50 years ago when they emigrated and were living in San Francisco and there were signs up that said, don't hire the Irish. So any, like those, those people are your relatives. You might as well think of it in the same way. And that, that kind, that's racist. And that kind of like bias is, that's, who your people are yeah. like you can't do it because your people were those people yeah and it was really eye-opening and kind of thank fucking god i made that mistake to to learn that lesson totally and it stuck um, with you for i mean from second grade on that's great. also just as a kid and i know n- not that many kids like second graders listen to this but just don't repeat shit other people <laughs> no. say don't believe just anything don't. kids say it's they're all fucking making shit up as they go along or repeating stuff stupid people say yeah think you gotta yeah just uh, don't just don't don't yeah so i think that's why my my dad was so close with them and this this little group the lock and bars which i just while you were sitting here i had to get on the phone with my dad and be like how do you pronounce that again um <laughs> so the reason i thought um of doing the story is because as i said this phil specter email went around and my dad forwarded it to me um and they were sharing old memories of their old club member phil specter and one of the guys whose name is robert remembered phil specter this way i thought he was so friendly a bit different perhaps but so talented and nice to everyone we became friends and his mom would ask me to play the piano whenever i came over which was often he was head cheerleader and it wasn't hard to recognize he would be a musical success <laughs> he was a head cheerleader. yeah <laughs> they also lived down the street from my dad like where my grandma lived. it's just wow my dad didn't know him it was he was a couple of years ahead of my dad oh okay yeah head cheerleaders a little bit of a left turn. It is. I, I didn't see that one coming it at is, all. It is. But I think it was, <laughs> yeah. I think it was more it was normal different. back then for men to be cheerleaders, wasn't it? Maybe. Was Could it? have been. Yeah. <laughs> but head cheerleader. Head cheerleader. Like, he beat out everybody. It was special. Yeah. Um, so Phil, and he was like this short and small in stature guy. So he probably didn't play a lot of sports, I would assume. So cheerleader. Um, he hated his given name, Harvey, which was he was previously known by. And he starts going by his middle name, Philip, Phil, which he later has legally changed, it legally changed to. So he becomes obsessed with listening to music on AM radio and it changes his life. He starts hanging around the music room at Fairfax and he learns the guitar and he performs in school talent shows. And he starts a band with three of his friends from Fairfax and they form a group called the Teddy Bears. (laughs) So he starts hanging out at local recording studios trying to learn music production. And this guy, Stan Ross, who was an owner and producer of Gold Star Records in Hollywood, takes a shine to him and begins tutoring Phil Spector on music production. And so from 18... No, from 1950 to 1984, (laughs) Gold Star Studios is one of the most important studios in the world. They have artists like the Beach Boys and Richie Valens and Jimi Hendrix and putting out like, you know, world history changing music. 
yeah um the who and so and just tons of recording artists uh perform there and and record there and i highly suggest the documentary the wrecking crew um, yeah which tells gold stars history and it's by filmmaker uh denny tedesco it's on amazon it's fucking awesome the wrecking crew watch it so phil learns the business and in 1958, the teddy bears signed to Era's Door Records, where they get a deal to record two to three of Phil's songs. One of them being To Know Him Is To Love Him, mm-hmm. inspired by the inscription on his father's tombstone. And it goes to number one on the Billboard's Hot 100 list and sells over a million copies. And in 1958, uh, they perform on Dick Clark's American Bandstand, which was a huge accomplishment. A big deal. Yeah. And meanwhile, this is just an interesting side note. Phil's mother, Bertha, had encouraged Phil to learn stenography in the meantime. Gotta have a safety net. That's exactly why. (laughs) (laughs) So he had something to fall back on in case the music thing didn't work out. Because, you know, moms are like, what are you fucking doing? Can you at least just get a degree, please? No one's letting you just go be in the teddy bears like that's going to pay your mortgage because that ain't real. You performed on American Bandstand once, Phil. (laughs) Um, And so between 1957 and 1960, Phil Spector got a job as a part-time court stenographer at the court (laughs) in downtown Los Angeles, where, among other cases, he worked the Lana Turner, Cheryl Crane murder case that I covered at one of our live shows in L.A., Mm -hmm. in which Lana's daughter Cheryl stabbed Lana's boyfriend, Johnny Stompanato, to death. And she was a teenager and she got off. Um, So he was... In that trial. He was the court stenographer yeah. for that trial. That's insane. Isn't that random? And then he was offered the job of doing translation work as a UN interpreter for Fidel Castro. <laughs> this is you're starting to talk out the movie Zelig. Like it's like just <laughs> or Forrest Gump. He's like <laughs> played by the piece of shit Woody Allen. Like it's they look alike in a weird way. And actually Phil Spector met Castro twice in a hotel room but ultimately turns down the most incredible job i've ever heard in my fucking life in order to continue his music career so it's probably a big fuck you to his mom the (laughs) the teddy bears break up so sadly in 1959 and after finding success producing a few records as well as sitting in on as a session musician phil founds phyllis record records so his own record um company with famed producer lester stills So this is when Phil Spector like really finds his niche and he develops his trademark wall of sound. Um, It's a production formula where I'm going to put this simply because I don't fucking get it. Um, (laughs) A mixture of all sorts of instruments are playing at the same time in unison with other instruments joining in layers along with further layers of vocals. It's like this crescendo effect that you, I mean, it's beautiful. Um, But the secret is the echo chamber where the microphones from the studio play into a basement speakers. There's microphones. They bounce the sound back to the control room to be recorded on tape. That's how the wall of sound works. (laughs) She shrugs. (laughs) 
She explains. Uh-huh. She explains unbelievingly. Get it? I get it. Well, you know the um the Motown Records, yeah. um, they ran a microphone up into the attic to get that same type of sound. Wow, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that's the only reason I kind of get what you're talking about and is you're because a musician. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and because when I record, well, it's all about the echo and the <laughs> in the attic. I'd like to thank Mike Burns, my research writer, for understanding what the fuck that meant and writing it in layman's terms. So So Spectre said in 1964, quote, I was looking for a sound, a strong, a sound so strong that if the material was not the greatest, the sound would carry the record. Hey, it was a case of augmenting. It all fit together like a jigsaw. So you can hear that with um, the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson recorded a lot uh, there as well. And Phil releases legendary songs where you can hear this unique style, including Be My Baby by the Ronettes, which is a fucking legendary classic. Then He Kissed Me by the Crystals, another beautiful song. Put your headphones on, you guys. Put your noise-canceling headphones on and listen to these songs. They're moving. And he signs the Righteous Brothers in 1965, releasing You've Lost That Love and Feeling, Unchained Melody, and You're My Soul and Inspiration. So like hit after hit that like defines the era. So this is why he's so famous when you look at these insane pictures of him in the courtroom and you're like, who is this fucking good dude? Like he just changes music. Yeah. Um, So by now he's in his early 20s and he's one of the hottest and wealthiest record producers in the world. Can't get fame that you can't get famous and rich that young or you're. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. You are fucked. You got to go through some shit before you can appreciate some shit. Right. You got to go through some shit before you can buy all the coke all the time (laughs) because you and your wall of sound are going to get yourself into some trouble. That's right. By the time you're 30 and you're washed up. Good luck. Yeah. So in 1966, um, Spectre signs his final act at Phyllis. It's P-H-I-L-L-E-S. Phyllis. Phillies. The Phillies? Phillies. Are you talking about the Philadelphia Phillies? No. Mm. <laughs> it's his record company. His his final <laughs> his final act is Ike and Tina Turner. Um, and he consist, considers River Deep, Mountain High, the best thing he's ever produced. And the fact that the song was initially snubbed by the American audience, he takes it super personally. And it kind of like changes something in him and made him resent the music industry completely. And he just is bitter and he retreats from the business and goes into a state of depression. Huh. After one thing that didn't go his way. Right. After 20 that did. Exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds like a great state of mind. <laughs> Sounds like he's got his shit together in his early yeah. 20s. He's doing probably doing a lot of meditating, a lot of chanting. <laughs> just really grounded. Sounds like he's Buddhist. just of the people. He's mm-hmm. Buddhist, I think. Sure. He's reading the Tao of Winnie the Pooh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So after failing to sell his record company to A&M Records in 1967, he becomes a total recluse he rarely makes public appearances for a couple years except for playing a drug dealer in 1969's easy rider which i didn't know Mm. and playing himself in a cameo of i dream of genie perfect i guess they were desperate for cameos (laughs) at that point (laughs) but he does marry his dream girl veronica bennett who's ronnie of the ronettes who Phil had discovered. So Phil had discovered her and the group and he helped make them famous with these hits and um, sensing the relationship was doomed due to Phil's erratic emotional behavior. Ronnie's mother turned to her daughter after signing the wedding certificate and said, quote, I just signed your death certificate. 
Oh, no. Yeah. That's not what Well, you, then why'd she sign I don't know. It? That's not what you want to hear on your wedding day. Well, maybe it was like she felt like she had no choice and she was just like, you made me do this. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. You know how... You know how much daughters listen to their mother's advice? Also, that band was huge. Their songs were awesome. Yeah. And I'm sure she was just like, this guy made me like he's, you know. That's what it's. So um, she wrote a memoir in 1990 called Be My Baby. And she, yeah, that's exactly it. She felt she owed him this. She owed him her life, you know. Sure. Um, and she actually he was really controlling. And it turns out John Lennon f- like fell in love with her and Offered for the Ronettes to go on tour with the Beatles, and she chose Phil Spector over that. So that's wow. how devoted she was to him. Wow. So in Be My Baby, her memoir, she details how Phil Spector psychologically tortures her and purposely ruins her career by not allowing her to perform again. Um, he's the monster. He puts a barbed wire around their house, and they live in this mansion in Alhambra, California, which is right outside Pasadena, right? And he gets guard dogs for the yard. And it's all to keep Ronnie inside the castle, basically, they call it. If she's given permission to leave, Ronnie has to drive with a life-size inflatable dummy of Phil Spector in the passenger seat. Okay. Are we going to talk about what drugs he was on? Because this is extreme. In Later yes. on, I will tell you about the poppers and what they Great, do okay. to him. Because Jesus Christ. But I think so, he was also just this emotionally manipulative, psychotic guy. Like, I don't even know if drugs were part of it. I mean, I'm sure they were. I feel like back then, drugs were everyone yeah, did speed, you know. They did. And also, it's when barbed wire comes into a place, you know, like your Alhambra mansion. Right. Where no one goes. You're like, here's what we need. Barbed wire. And fucking guard dogs. But to keep you in. That's the creepiest yes. part. It's like not even to yeah. keep people out. <gasps> yeah. That's so scary. Awful. Yeah. And it gets, there's more. It gets worse. It always does. It always fucking does. So inflatable dummy. Uh, da, 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 da. If she's gone for more than 20 minutes, he calls the guards. To like find her. Wow. She says, quote, I was never around people. He made sure of that. And he kept her isolated in the studio where her best friend, um, who was her backup singer, was like the only person she was allowed to hang out with, who was none other than Cher. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> her backup singer Jesus at the time. Christ. I know. Wow. Yeah. So the, the couple adopts a child in 1969 and then... Okay, here's the fucking wackiest, wacky thing you've ever heard. As a Christmas gift in 1971, Phil surprises Ronnie by bringing home a set of five-year-old twins. What? He adopted a set of five-year-old twins and was like, these are your kids. Purchased. Yeah. Well, adopted. I don't know. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Let's see that paperwork. Yeah. I want want to see that Carfax. That's right. Uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Did you say I want to see that Carfax? Yeah. That was, I'm glad I didn't um, gloss over that because that was an <laughs> excellent comment. Thank um, you. Of course, she feels like the gesture is to keep, it's just a bid to keep her captive in their marriage and that the children were used as like pawns to keep her there. Yeah. Um, Ronnie goes so far as to purposely start abusing alcohol so she can leave to go to AA meetings. <gasps> Oh. And there's not, and she's like, there's nothing for me to do all day but drink. I have no, I'm not allowed to leave the house. I have no freedom. I just start drinking. Um, and also, oh my God, Phil puts a gold coffin with a see-through glass top 
in their basement and promises that he will kill her and display her body there if she tries to leave him. So this man is an abusive fucking piece of shit. And very insecure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the least of the problems. Yeah. I'm insecure and I've I've literally (laughs) done none of those things to my knowledge. Don't don't (laughs) don't ask Vince about that, though. (laughs) To my knowledge. (laughs) And then just like your Zoom camera shifts (laughs) slightly to the left. And we're like, wait, George, what is that? A mausoleum with Vince's name on it? When did you get a fucking Doberman pincher? Jesus. (laughs) George, this wallpaper is so nice. Why is there so much (laughs) barbed wire around the top of it? Why? It's crazy. So many questions. This is like we're making jokes. Yes. This is a nightmare. Yes. Like we're this is a this is a nightmare castle of nightmares. Yes. This is an a and she's highly inside relationship that is we all know is impossible, feels impossible to escape from. Cause it's I mean, literally literally and physically she deserves to be drink as much as she possibly Seriously. can. Jesus Christ. Seriously. Um and according to Ronnie. Phil said, before I let you go, you'll be dead. Mm. Terrifying. So he also takes away all of her shoes so she can't. It makes it harder for her to run away. And everyone knows in Alhambra, it's just like that's far from anything fucking anywhere. This is just so extreme. Like awful. Insane. So when she finally does escape with the help of her mother in 1972, she has to do so barefoot. And also by sneaking out through the service entrance, like her and her mom studied the service entrance to see when it was like possible to run away. Um, She recalls, quote, my whole survival is through my mom's strength. I tell other women, if you're in a bad relationship, you have to find one person to help you. Mm. Phil's abuse was mental, not physical, telling me I'll never be successful without him. And she says that it it made me say, want to bet? Can I just say this too? Yeah. Meanwhile, Ronnie Spector is one of the most beautiful women. Oh. Her voice is so unique and gorgeous. Like the the you know the Ronettes lead singer, be my baby, like legendary. legendary. And the and then you know I won't I won't spoil your thing. But then later when she like is in a hit later on. It's like, she looks like she's 25. Oh she's back entirely. But that idea, he really did rob her of a career because she could have had anything. She 100%. was perfectly made for show business. She was, and she was incredibly talented. And actually during their divorce in 1974, Ronnie gives up all of the future earnings from her recordings Ugh. because Phil threatens to have her killed by a hitman if she doesn't. So that's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that she has to walk away from, you know, which is, I think, a familiar, not that much, but a familiar story for for abused women. Um, Ronnie walks away with a used car, twenty five thousand dollars and alimony of twenty five hundred dollars a month for the duration of five years, all for that fucking torture. And she has to give up custody of the children because he would regularly pull a gun on her and threaten to murder her if she took them away. It has to be heartbreaking. And sadly, the children are also abused, among other things. Um, Phil keeps them locked in their room as soon as they get home from school every day and they just are stuck there. So Ronnie's finally able to relaunch her career, but finds difficulty finding chart success until she appears on Eddie Money's 1986 iconic hit. Take me home tonight. 
in which which goes on to number four. And despite Phil's objections, Ronnie and the Ronettes are included um, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, among other continuing successes. So she made it. Yeah, she did. Big time. I mean, she was like a huge part of that video, too. I mean, that was I was 16 when that song came out. Yeah. So ironically, during all this chaos, Phil Spector is mounting a major comeback. Hmm. Um, Spectre was working with George Harrison and when Lennon wanted George in the studio for his record Instant Karma, he asked Phil Spectre to come into the recording session. They recorded it in one day. Phil Spectre mixed it on the spot with his wall of sound style and the single was put out in the same week. Phil Spectre would go on to produce further solo albums um, by both George Harrison and John Lennon. And they liked his work so much that they brought him to England to fix the Beatles abandoned recordings for their Let It Be album, which oh. was previously assumed to be a complete wash. So this wow. is fucking historical shit, you know, but he is slowly beginning to act more erratic and more eccentric. In 1973, he's hired by John Lennon to produce his new album of covers. And Phil starts appearing at the studio wearing wild costumes like, quote, surgeon or karate guy. Mm. And he always has a gun in a holster on him. He's also frequently high on the inhalant uh, amyl nitrate. Amyl nitrate, mm -hmm. uh -huh, otherwise known as poppers. Hell yeah. Okay, here's an interesting fact I didn't know. Poppers are, are officially used as an angina heart medication or to treat cyanide poisoning, but they become popular in the 70s and 80s drug culture. Okay, ready for why? As it causes the throat and anus to relax <laughs> and gives you a short uh, high. Yeah. So all things that we've always wanted in our lives. Yes. Yes. And jokingly, quote, one night, Spectre pulls out his gun and surprises John Lennon by firing it off in the studio by Lennon's ear. John Lennon screams at Phil. Phil, if you're going to kill me, kill me. But don't fuck with my ears. I need them. But in a British accent. <laughs> he would chase John Lennon around the studio with a gun, threatening to shoot him while he was drunk or on drugs. Um, and of course, John Lennon later dies of a gunshot wound. So that's just kind of fucked up throughout the 70s and following his divorce from ronnie phil becomes more crazed and reclusive especially following a car crash in 1974 where he's thrown from the window of his car um and i guess it's he looked dead but uh, a, a um a cop found a faint pulse and after several hours of surgeries at ucla medical center for his massive head injuries, resulting in 300 face stitches and Whoa. 400 stitches to the back of his head, Phil uh, survives. But he's uh, presumably super scarred up, which is why he starts wearing his notoriously outrageous wigs. Can I ask, sorry, what year was that car accident again? 74. Oh, wow. Why? Wow. No, I just I wasn't sure. I just oh, wasn't sure got it, got it. of like where in the timeline we were. Okay. That's OK. So, crazy yeah so it, he's already going a little fucking psychotic but then this kind of it, it, a massive head injury we all know what that does not great not great not good no 
So Phil will go on to work with other notable musicians like Leonard Cohen, um, and they get shit faced on booze, write 12 songs. But the um, he, and again, he's drunk on Manischewitz, which I which I find oh. stereotypical and I resent that um, <laughs> as a Jew. He's being a real he's being a real hack. Yeah. As a as a Jewish man. Can we just get a bottle of like Josh or can we get a bottle of, um, you know, what's that Stella? I don't know. So he pulls a gun on him during an argument and, um, you know, doesn't kill him, obviously. But the album's a massive failure. And um, <laughs> Cohen remembers from the studio recordings that they were that, <laughs> that they were, quote, armed to the teeth. You were slipping over bullets and biting into revolvers in your hamburger. So, like, you don't need to be that armed and studio friend. I mean, it is very indicative of what the 70s, what was going on in the yeah. 70s, which was in, I would guess, and from the little that I know about, like, the music industry in the 70s, it was like, whatever the fuck anyone wants to do, they totally. get to do plus three three lines of cocaine right. a minute. As like, long I as mean, you're successful, you will not be punished for anything, any behavior. Yeah, you get if you get the hit going, no one gives a shit how you got it there. So you shoot John Lennon in the ear. Well, then whatever. (laughs) Right. Which I feel like is similar to today in the (laughs) fucking entertainment industry. Yeah. Oh, it reminds me of Boogie Nights. Kind of. It's just that like psychotic. What is everyone doing? Nobody knows because they're all high on drugs. Yeah. And also, I think poppers like as an inhalant drug like that. Mm I mean, it makes me think of it's just like I think that does also affect your brain like nitrous, like taking hits. Yeah, of nitrous. It's not great. I don't think it's good no, you for you. Pop brain cells. You can hear them while you're high. Bup, 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 bup. <laughs> like little um, like uh, what are those candies that pop in your mouth? Pop rocks. Pop rocks. Yes. Or Zots. <laughs> Depending we'll on talk about it. Another where, time. <laughs> what side of the country you're from? Around this time, Debbie Harry, of course, of Blondie, is invited by Phil to his mansion to discuss working together. Um, Shortly after arriving, she says he pulled a gun on her and Mm. says, quote, that notorious thing he does. He stuck it in my boot and went bang. I thought, get me out of here. Why would anyone be carrying a 45 automatic in their own house? Yeah. So even she like fucking latered and could tell that he was psychotic. But he has a pattern of pulling guns on people is what this is all illustrating. They normalized the gun pulling. That's right. That's just how he is, they say. If you want the wall of sound, that's what you have to put up with, they say. That's right. Little lady. Mm -hmm. So then in 1979, the Ramones hire Phil Spector and realize that there are what they say are two Phil's. There's nice and evil Phil. Sometimes he dressed in casual clothes. He's easygoing and funny. And sometimes he wears a cape, sunglasses and is derogatory, mean, abusive and only wants things done his way. Um, One story that Dee Dee Ramone uh, tells is that he was trying to leave the studio after a long session and Phil pulls out a revolver and says, you're not going anywhere. (laughs) Phil Spector was later asked by Vanity Fair, what's your greatest fear? And he answered, quote, that God won't let me into heaven because I'm too evil and the devil won't let me into hell because he's afraid I'll take over. Hmm. Which is like, dude, you're not that great. Dude. Come. Dial it back. <laughs> you need to Just go to a self-help podcast, right? Go, yeah, really. Go to a meeting. Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> very grandiose. Meeting. Very grandiose. So he made the Ramones end of the century, which what didn't do well at the time, but everyone knows it's like a classic. 
Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Aside from a small handful of other things, like being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Tina Turner in 1989, Phil basically disappears from between 1981 until 2003, where he reenters the public eye for the worst possible of reasons after meeting the beautiful actress and model Lana Clarkson. So let me talk to you, Karen, about Lana Clarkson. Okay. So she's born in 1962. She's raised in the hills of Sonoma County, California, pointing at you. After her father's death in 1978, she moves to Southern California and um, pursues a career as an actress and model. And I cannot overstate how fucking beautiful she was. I mean, like Heather Locklear style, Charlie's Angels beautiful yeah she looked like um like a a vogue model yeah like not just like not just kind of like tv actress beautiful but yeah she's like she would have been in the car a cars video you know the the band the cars not a video for the toyota corolla or you know you know so okay in the early 80s, she gets bit parts in film and television. Then in 1982, she makes her movie de- debut as a minor character in Fast Times at Ridgemount High, in which she plays the unex- like the joke is that she's this unexpectedly super hot wife of the nerdy science teacher, Mr. Vargas, <laughs> played mm-hmm. by Vincent Schiavelli, mm-hmm. who's yep. this fucking incredible actor. So you remember that part where like at the dance, he introduces yep. his wife to the kids and they're oh, like, oh, I didn't realize that was her. I know. Isn't that that's, funny? Yeah, just, that's yeah. so good. So she goes on to perform in a laundry list of small television and film roles and projects like Scarface, Three's Company, Knight Rider. 
and numerous major commercials. But her niche is the main role she has in several 1980s sci-fi B movies for producer Roger Corman, who's known as the Pope of Pop Cinema. And he started a lot of famous people's careers Mm -hmm. um, and it made her a cult hero. And she becomes a favorite at comic book conventions where she makes promotional appearances and signs autographs for her fans. Um, And she's also uh, personally an incredibly kind person. Um, uh, In the 80s, Lana spends time every week at the HIV AIDS charity Project Angel Food, which delivers food to people who can't provide for themselves, whether physically or because they've been shunned by others because of their diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So she does that weekly. Well, coming into her 30s, Clarkson's career stalls and she can't get enough work to live on anymore. Classic story. Um, She makes a little money selling autographed copies of her movies and um, chatting in with fans behind early paywall message boards. So this is like the late 90s. I know. I forgot that was a thing. In her acting career, she made a living by playing these bombshells, these like hot ladies. But um, her desire was to be cast in uh, comedic roles or perform as a comedian. And she even began work as a stand up on a stand up set. Oh, and she also developed, wrote, produced and directed a showcase reel called Lana Unleashed. Um, But by January of 2003, at 40 years old, she needed to make ends meet. So she took a part time side job at the House of Blues in West Hollywood. Oh, wow. On the Sunset Strip. It's closed now, huh? Yeah. I think they knocked the whole building down. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, And that's where, in the early hours of February 3rd, 2003, she meets Phil Spector. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. And I I can't find a real explanation of why she agreed to go back to his house with him, but I bet he was persuasive. I bet he was promising her he could help with her career. It sounds like, because when she, they took, they went, Phil's driver, drove them in their limo to his house and she says to him while she's exiting the, she says to the driver I'm only staying for one drink so it seems yeah. like she was like alright you know he was persuasive I'll go home we can talk and have one drink but probably could tell that this was not someone she you know wanted this to be is the story of so many people in Los Angeles because it's a, it's a town filled with people who have gotten you know Four good jobs and then, you know, some time has passed and now they're just like, what the hell am I going to do now? And pivoting and parlaying things into other things. And that this is and it is just a feeding ground yeah. for powerful men who just want to go around and pick people predators. up. They're and predators. And that's just it's how it is. And I think, you know, the we're joking about it or whatever, but I'm sure that like they were saying, uh, like I think Dee Ramon said, it's like there was a good side to him, right. which I'm sure that's how he continued to work. He's charming, he's persuasive, he's amicable, he's he must have made it easy for people to believe he was going to be okay with them totally yeah because if you come out like you know shooting off guns everyone's going to go that guy's fucking crazy so he must have been good enough for enough of the time totally that people were like "Eh, he's still this legend yeah so they get and and she sorry but she if she's working at the house of blues which is a musical venue he is a a living legend from the music business oh my god like that means something like everyone there was like fawning over him and he wants to take her home and talk about her career yeah no you're totally right yeah so they go in the house the driver stays in the in the driveway and an hour later the driver hears a gunshot from inside the house and then 
Phil Spector comes out of the rear of the house carrying a 38 Colt Cobra revolver and tells the driver, quote, I think I just shot her. Ugh. The driver calls 911 and police arrive to find a single gunshot um, to Lana's mouth. Ugh. And she's dead. Um, Spectre is eventually charged with murder. Here's uh, he remains free on a million dollar bond and is allowed to stay in his beautiful Alhambra mansion until his trial starts in March of 2007. So four mm-hmm. fucking years. Yeah. Yeah. If That's how it is for rich people. For bonds, you don't have to stay in prison. That's right. Cool. Two, two justice systems. Yep. Yeah. The trial is shown live on television from the Los Angeles Superior Court. It's allowed by Judge Larry Paul Fiddler, and it becomes a circus. Did you watch any of it back then? I remember seeing I just rem- it, but I didn't. Yeah, I just remember that it his hair, his daily hair check in. Yeah, basically. Well, it, and it sucks because his like he was upstaging the importance and the like seriousness of what was happening yeah. there. So suddenly he's walking in with this, you know, it looked like he had basically ratted his hair out, Termed like, it. Yeah. A, a, you know, two feet out from his head. And then that's what everyone's laughing and talking about. And he's there for fucking murder. Totally. It's like, it was exact. It was so similar. And, and down to Dominic Dunn covering it. That's the OJ Simpson trial. And like, yeah, I think everyone was at the time, like, Oh shit, is he going to get acquitted too? Like, yeah. you know, it was just a, beautiful woman who was killed by this jealous crazy man you know it was fucked up so um so it it quickly becomes a circus and it's only partially a circus because of phil specter's crazy wigs and these flamboyant suits he had on but the whole trial itself was a spectacle the prosecution points out that phil specter has a history of pulling firearms on women he is romantically or wants to be romantically involved with um Mm -hmm. so she was in the foyer probably trying to leave at the time uh, when she was shot. And that's his uh, his M.O. Um, This usually occurs after he's rejected in some capacity. It's when he pulls out his gun and each time he points a gun at the woman attempting to leave his presence. um, And he a habit he also frequents with artists in the studio. So they point this all out. There's a fucking pattern at his trial. Numerous former female acquaintances testified that he had pulled a gun on them when they attempted to leave him. And his ex-wife, Ronnie, also testifies against him. Nice. Nice. Meanwhile, these pieces of shit, despite their public vows not to do so, the defense attempts to completely trash Lana's name in an attempt to convince the jury. Here's their argument that Lana being devastated that her career was over, shot herself in the foyer herself on purpose that's dirty fucking business so dirty how do you sleep at night i think i actually remember that i remember this these kind of stages of things happening and when and when that became the defense yeah people were very upset about it yeah and meanwhile they didn't even bring that up until then despite and and the fact that he had said i think i just shot her quote it was just ludicrous. I think ev- nobody, nobody believed it. Right. So to, they call her best friends, quote unquote. Um, they're called to testify against her character. So they're the 
the her quote unquote best friends who are just trying to get book deals probably are being called to, to fucking testify against her character. Dominic Dunn in Vanity Fair says, quote, after their declarations of friendship and love, they took their poor dead friend apart with anecdote after anecdote, making it appear that Lana was in such a state of abject despair over the failure of her life. By the way, she's 40. Like, it's not 40 gorgeous, <laughs> yeah. smart enough to continually like parlay her past things into something totally. else. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah objective despair of the failure of her life that shooting herself in the mouth in a stranger's house was a totally logical step for her to take ludicrous yeah and her mom and sister are like in the courtroom every day having to hear this bullshit dirty yeah so expert witnesses are called including the distinguished forensic scientist dr michael baden who's paid one hundred and ten thousand dollars for his testimony for the defense giving scientific quote proof that lana killed herself so, of course, both sides have expert witnesses. They're fucking paid to argue whatever their side wants. Um, and in fact, in 2007, a judge rules that renowned forensic expert for the defense, Henry Lee, who we're all familiar with. He also worked as an expert in trials um, for John Benet Ramsey, O.J. Simpson and Lacey Peterson. He's famous. Um that he hid or destroyed an object from the scene, either an acrylic fingernail or a towel that had blood on it to make it seem like she had taken her own life. What? Yeah. And he denies such allegations, but a judge ruled that he did do it. Wow. So so they were both testifying for the defense okay. that Lana um, killed herself. I mean, again, that's a thing of like they it, he has more money than God. Totally. So he, they can hire anyone they want and they, the people will be more and more legit seeming. Yeah. Well, to get that story. Yes. God, that's dirty. It's estimated that he spent between eight and ten million dollars on legal fees. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. Here's a side note. And what an asshole to demonstrate what an asshole Phil Spector is, a case we didn't already know. In the midst of all this, in 2007, Phil Spector goes to known uh, woman beater Ike Turner's funeral, and he gives a eulogy. And during the whole thing, he takes shot at Tina, takes shots at Tina Turner's autobiography, saying that it was quote a badly written book, and that it demonized and vilified Ike, which is like known that he. Ike beat demonized her. and vilified Ike. Yeah. yeah, he did it. Ike did that. He said, uh, Phil said, quote, Ike made Tina the jewel she was. When I went to see Ike play at the Cinegrill in the 90s, there were at least five Tina Turners on the stage performing that night. Any one of them could have been could have been Tina Turner. <laughs> That's, I mean, you're kidding yourself. Funeral eulogizing while you're on trial for murder. Can you imagine being in that fucking audience? But also it's the. That's one of the most ludicrous statements I've ever heard where it's like Tina Turner. Yeah. Tina yeah. Turner. Tina, the legendary Tina There's Turner. There's no one like Nobody. Tina Turner in the world or we would have known about them exactly. already. Exactly. So he's up there eulogizing by lying his fucking I mean that's psychotic. It's psychotic. That's crazy. It, it shows you what a fucking misogynist he was and that he obviously just hated women and th you know it's just he's fucking crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so he spent eight to 10 million on legal fees. But ultimately, the jury is fucking deadlocked with two jurors holding out against a guilty verdict. Um, a judge, the judge declares a mistrial. 
And a retrial of the now 68-year-old Phil Spector begins on October 20th, 2008. So we're going to go through it all over again. Fortunately, this time, um, TV cameras aren't allowed in the courtroom. But the case doesn't go to jury until March 26, 2009. And it only takes uh, like less than a month for the jury to find Phil Spector guilty. Yeah. And actually, I want... Go ahead. I was just going to theorize that maybe there were some jurors maybe got bribed, perhaps? Well, there was like one juror who lived down the street from him in Alhambra and like star fucked him kind of and was like, I saw him at the grocery store once. So like clearly had like a thing for him. And then there was another one who just seemed like another um, misogynist. You know, Mm. they didn't seem like they were judging based on the facts. Right, right. Um, so when he so when they're in trial reading the verdict, they they thought that Phil they definitely thought Phil Spector was going to be a suicide risk and maybe had brought in a capsule of cyanide with him. So they put um, like the security on him that if he uh, when the verdict was read that if he moved towards his pocket, they were to tackle him. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm laughing about the idea <laughs> they would they would tackle that tiny tiny permed haired lunatic right but it didn't happen so he sentenced to 19 years to life in state prison on february in february of 2012 donna clarkson lana's mother settled a civil suit against his insurance company for an undisclosed amount which we all hope is millions and millions yes god please Uh numerous loophole appeals of all sorts continue and i'm sure fucking devastate Lana's family for years and years until they're all denied in 2015. Phil Spector, his health was already deteriorating. I mean, you could tell just by look, looking at him due to various things, including have his, having lost the ability to speak from laryngeal um, papillomatosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, dies in the prison California healthcare facility in Stockton, California, of COVID nineteen complications. Oh shit! Uh huh. On January twenty first, like a week and a half ago, twenty twenty one, at the age of eighty one. I did not know it was COVID related. That's I wouldn't even even notice this. It was a passing thing until my dad sent me that email, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I will say that in the email, a lot of the guys acknowledged what he did. They weren't all like. Good memories of Phil Spector. It was like, yeah, he became a monster. So I don't want, right, right. I don't want right. to to sully the lock and veers. Well, he wasn't the lock. He wasn't that name. person. He wasn't. He developed into that monster. Right, exactly. And I don't even know if they all kept in touch with him. So let's end on a positive note. Ronnie Spector in 2018, while Phil Spector was in prison, said, "Quote: What I went through made me great. I was determined nobody would ever keep me down again." I won. Phil's where he is, and I'm going all over the world. Yeah. And that is the murder of Lana Clarkson by the monster Phil Spector. Oh, that's amazing. Great job. Thank you. Someone recently, because I was reading an article about this murder, and someone made the very valid and very sad point that because you I remember like when you heard about this story and this happens a lot, I think, with just our very strange media bias that we all have, where it's like, oh, this really beautiful woman and she's in this old rich guy's house. Right. We all know what that means. Exactly. Right? Which I hate. Like, there's all this assumed stuff. And someone was like. This woman was murdered by a man she knew for one day. Right. 
Like that's it's it's the nightmare. It is the nightmare. It is. And it's it's someone that she thought, oh, he just wants. Oh, this happens to me. Oh, this yeah. could be interesting. I bet you he was like, I'm going to show you my X, Y or Z interesting totally. rich guy thing. Totally. And but just that idea that she was just there of like, eh, you know, like we'll see. And she gets murdered is it, it's such a tragedy. He pulls who would have thought he'd pull a fucking gun out like that's just. Yeah. And also he's like rich and professional and well known. No one would think that they would also, you know, you just don't. It's it's a fucked up world for yeah, a bunch. Of, it really for is. a bunch it's, of fucking machismo a tragedy pieces of shit. So, yeah, it's an absolute tragedy. Wishing her family love and happiness. <sighs> so, wow, that's a big one. Yeah, that's good. Thank I you. like when they're you know like updates like a recent a recent one yeah. of like hey this just happened i hey, like that guess what covid did do you want to do a couple of fucking hoorays yes let's do it all right want to go first you want me to go first you can go first okay this is from brianna anave i waited so long for this but i finally have a fucking hooray as of Friday, I will have finally completed my 1600 hours of cosmetology school. And hey, a little party emoji with a, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which allows me to take my state board exam for my license. After a couple failed attempts to attend college, moving back home and being completely lost in life, I'm finally doing what makes me happy. Yeah. Yay. I haven't felt this motivated to finish something in so long. And it's such an amazing feeling. At almost 24, I have to remind myself I still have time in life. And I know. (laughs) 24. Remember when we were like, I'm running out of time. No, but you know what? I'm not not laughing at because that is the the age where you're comparing yourself to people that you went to high school or college with. And certain people have are on a thing, a trajectory or whatever. So we're not laughing at. No, no, no. We're laughing at how much time you have. You're very young. Yes. At almost 24, I have to remind myself I still have time in life. I need to slow down to make myself happy. Thank you for giving me a distraction during such a crazy year and also getting me through Cosmo School, SSDGM, Brianna. Kudos to you. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of cosmetology school. I quit after three months, six (laughs) months. I I quit cosmetology school. It's fucking hard. It's hard, right? Good luck on your exams. Get real good at it. You make that good money. That's fucking right. Congratulations. Okay, mine is from, the name is Caroline Gant. It says, my fucking hooray is for my amazing sister, Lauren, L-O-R-E-N. She not only introduced me to your podcast a few years ago, which has gotten me, which had gotten me to so much, to or through? Mm. Probably through. I don't don't know if we help people travel to places. (laughs) We actually, oh, I gave this girl a ride. No, no, um, sorry. Uh, but she is also a NICU nurse at a public Whoa. hospital. She is such a hero to those babies and is also my hero. And I will be going to the law school in her same city next year. Can't wait to be close to her again. SSDGM and fucking hooray for sisters. Aww. Yes. NICU. Yes, thank you. Man, you guys are heroes. Yep. All healthcare workers. Thank you. <laughs> Truly. Thank you. The light at the end of the tunnel is coming. I hope so. Yeah. Um, this is from authentic underscore and underscore imperfect. Authentic and imperfect mm. on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that I listened to this episode while I was sitting super nervously at a breast imaging center waiting for a mammogram and an ultrasound after finding a lump a few months back. Mm. Hearing Stephen get so excited about saying a number 
<laughs> made me snort laugh out loud and get lots of confused looks. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> Thank you for that, especially at a time when I needed it. And hashtag fucking array for the lump being basically nothing. And yep. then a, a prayer hands and a lady dancing emoji. <laughs> nice. Uh, yay. Congratulations. Yay. Congratulations. Everyone get your boobies checked. Yep. It's important. Okay. This one is from P-K-L-Z-D-M-R-C-O. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Pickles DeMarco. Oh, <laughs> if I had to fun. guess, I would say Pickles DeMarco. Oh, that's my new fucking baby's name. What? Sure. Um, this is a tiny hashtag fucking hooray today is that my six-year-old niece has a classmate named Janet. <laughs> a kindergartner named Janet is so precious and funny to me. <laughs> oh my God, baby Janet. <laughs> a little baby Janet in I, uh, kindergarten. My, one of my best friends is pregnant and I offered her $100 to name her baby Deborah. <laughs> she turned me down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nice one, guys. Yeah. These are this this week's good. Send us your fucking hoorays. I think that we all need them right now. And I feel like every win these days is like bigger than it feels bigger than before because it, they're so hard to come by or they were so yeah. hard to come by the last four years. We're all breathing. It's getting a better. Sigh of relief and are able to celebrate to celebrate our wins. So you know, and we. I was actually just talking to my therapist about this. That sometimes it's like there's the sigh of relief, but then it's almost like as the shock wears off, you can actually start feeling your wounds again. Ooh. So there might be. Um, give yourself time because there might be like in your relief. There's a. a, a a relief feeling that also then it's like, oh, why isn't my life perfect again? Yeah. Or why isn't everything feel great? And and you have to just be just remember to be kind with to yourself and stay present because, uh, you know, yeah. it is people more and more people are getting that vaccine more and more. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking to we're looking toward an ending of this instead of being stuck in the middle of it with like no ride home, which yeah. was such a stressful feeling for so long. Yeah. Like that. We can tell ourselves the truth, which is that that's not the case anymore. Can I um, um, even though we're way at the beginning of the end, it's still the beginning of the end, which is nice. My therapist knows I love analogies. It's like how my brain works. So she told me that, like, for example, like not drinking and suddenly being able to feel feelings and how much I fucking hate that. But she was like, imagine the backseat of your car is filled with trash that you've just been throwing back there and throwing back there and not dealing with and not dealing with. You don't look at it at all. But when you suddenly stop your car at a stop sign out of nowhere, all that trash is going to come piling forward into the front seat and burying you and you're going to feel like it's forever but you just have to sift through that trash and take it out of your car and clean out your car and it slowly goes away so yeah i thought that was a really great analogy and that kind that's of a great analogy and remember actually it the reality of it is their feelings and thoughts so they're not real right they're, it's not even actually trash it's just stuff that your brain serves up to defend you and keep you safe yeah but that actually you you are in charge of and you can choose you know how dire you make it how big you make it all of it is your choice that's very true thank you yeah love, yeah yeah love it gosh thanks you guys you uh we're so lucky to be able to talk at you every week and you can talk back at us and we know. appreciate that it's nice it's a great it's little a nice community it's a nice hang yeah yeah so uh you know stay sexy and don't get murdered
Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>